This is Marriage to the Max, episode number 36. Everybody. Welcome to another episode of Marriage to the Max. I'm your host this week, Brett Hurst. And I'm Kelly Hurst. And we are both marriage educators. We also are the co-founders of Home Encouragement. And this podcast is designed to help you take your marriage to the next level. We want to encourage you in your marriage relationship because we believe healthy marriage should be a front burner conversation, not a back burner conversation. And we're here to help that happen. Okay, so today's episode, Kel, is called Tried and True Tools. So I guess we're going to be talking about rakes and power drills and and screwdrivers. Not really. We have uh, we've been marriage educators for a while now. We've been doing relational ministry for a couple of decades, and we've been married for over twenty five years. So we have plowed through a lot of different resources, read a lot of books, been to mega conferences, been trained in a lot of different curricula and so forth, got a lot of different practical relational tools. And there's mm-hmm. a ton of great stuff out there. Yes, There are a handful, however, of things that have remained tried and true for us. And before we even get into tools, you know, I think the most helpful thing is to be Focusing your marriage on the one who created marriage. I mean, I think that is going to be always the most helpful facet is to be grounded, you know, spiritually Mm -hmm. so that you can really be able to receive everything that God intended for your marriage to be. Yeah. We always talk about marriage being a mystery and just nobody ever really totally gets a handle on all that it has to offer. Yeah. So that's something I want to say before we get into this more. Yeah, and tools have an enormous place in marriage. I, I think learning Definitely. different ways of communicating and managing conflict and all that kind of stuff, I think it's super helpful, but it can really only take you so far. I think eventually you've got to have some supernatural help, um, you know, and it's helpful to know the one who created the tools. Yeah. But this uh, episode idea came to me because uh, a while back I was uh, talking with a friend of mine and uh, about a class that we were teaching, and she said, oh, well, what are y'all teaching at the class? And I said, oh, I th- or maybe it was a dinner and a marriage. And I said, oh, we're just we're just teaching love languages. And she was like, wow, y'all still teach that? Like, that's still around? Like, because she had <laughs> learned about it a long time ago and then just kind of didn't, you know, uh, it wasn't a, in her DNA, I guess. And uh-huh. so I started thinking, you know, there are tools that kind of come and go and mm-hmm. seem like, oh, that's a good one. Let's try that. And a lot of them, they just fall by the wayside and different couples use different, you know, tools and, and what works for one may not work for another. Right. But there are some that you and I have, it, not only we keep teaching them, mm-hmm. but they have made a real difference in our marriage. For sure. And so we thought it might be, you know, some of these we've unpacked on episodes before, but uh, maybe not all of them, and it's helpful to kind of say what they are and how they work. Well, and I think we're implying that these tools can help couples get unstuck, you know, for and that sure. a lot of times that's when we meet some couples for the first time is they are in the pit mm-hmm. together and they don't know how to get out, and these tools can be kind of quick things to get them 
maybe up to level playing ground, and then we can have deeper conversations about what's really going to sustain them in their right. marriage. But anyway, right. on to the tools. First one, you just mentioned love languages, and probably the reason why that person said, wow, you're still teaching that is because that book was written. The book is The Five Love Languages, of course, written by Dr. Gary Chapman, and mm-hmm. he wrote that back in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. And a phenomenal thing about that book is that the sales of the book just gradually has been increasing every year. Yeah, which every is, year he sells more copies than the year before. Which so is a fairly <laughs> unprecedented event in yeah. book publishing. But it's because the tools within it are effective mm-hmm. and more and more people kind of get privy to that and more and more people are telling their friends about that to help people get unstuck. Yeah, so, and so you want to unpack just really quickly what love languages are? Yeah, without getting into great detail, but it's uh, just written on the premise that we all have love languages uh, that we are more prone to want to have love conveyed to us in certain ways. You know, the five love languages in no particular order are acts of service, quality time, gifts, physical touch, and words of affirmation. Mm -hmm. And we all need all five of those Mm -hmm. things. But uh, Chapman unpacks so beautifully in his book that there's typically one, maybe two of those that particularly resonate with how you're made and how you like to receive love. Mm -hmm. And so learning how to tap into what your love language is and, more importantly, what your spouse's love language helps you to convey very effectively to each other love in a real tangible way. Mm -hmm. And the reason why this just continually is one of our top resources is because frequently when couples are in crisis and they come to us, they have totally lost their way. I mean, Mm -hmm. they they have to the point where oftentimes they've rewritten their marital history. They can't even remember a time when they were affectionate towards each other, whatever. And learning about (laughs) the five love languages for the first time can help them quickly kind of get in the game and learn how to love one another. It's an easy go-to tool that you can just learn so quickly. And like you said, to get specific, you know, in your marriage is where uh, the rubber meets the road because you need to be able to communicate, you know, my love language is acts of service. And so for me, that means you put the dishes in the dishwasher. Yay, you make the bed. That's awesome. Like, I, we've gotten very specific in what it looks like for us. Right. And so I know that when you make the bed, that's like my volume of I love you just went way up. Yeah, you just went out of town for a few days, and I have a confession to make to you. I didn't make the bed one time. I would imagine not. Because I don't care. I know, you don't But when care. you're home, yeah. I make the bed just about every day. Well, I came home last night, and the bed was made like a pro, so that's right. very welcoming. So, Okay, so that's five love languages, and you can read the book to get even more in detail on that tool. And, and that, we'll also put these uh, links and resources in our show notes as well. Indeed. So another tool that is uh, also effective for us to help couples get unstuck is something we call a restart button. This mm-hmm. is very effective in conflict management, you know, yeah. particularly if arguments escalate with great frequency between you and you know you start getting into these patterns where you're having the same fight over and over again mm-hmm. and maybe even have a high conflict style on top of that. It's, uh, to be able to have some type of code language between you to just say, okay, I want to restart. Mm-hmm. You know, like a golfer wants a mulligan. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I think Bill Clinton always asked for a mulligan. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> <Bill Clinton. laughs> that's what I hear. <laughs> I have a great book about presidents and golfing, but anyway, just to be able to restart. You know, yeah. let me let me do a, let me let me start over and say what I really meant to say because 
I know speaking for myself, all kinds of dumb ideas flow out of my mouth, and that's not really what I meant to say. Yeah, and all of us are guilty sometimes of starting conversations in a way that's not great. You know, our marriage guru, favorite marriage guru, Dr. John Gottman, talks about it. He calls it a harsh startup. And all of us have been guilty of that. We start a conversation and we've got a tone of voice that we, you know, maybe shouldn't be using or we're accusatory or whatever. And sometimes we need to be able to just stop and go, okay, can I just hit the restart button and Mm -hmm. let's just start over? The thing about this tool that is helpful to know is it really does take some a level of maturity to get pretty good at this because Mm -hmm. if you're the person who let's say you come in and you start a conversation that you want to uh you know start over and you say to me oh can can i hit the restart button if i'm not mature enough to go yeah let's start over um then we're in trouble you know if i no, we can't start over. You already, you know, ruined it. You know, then you're, the tool is worthless. Um, so it does take a little bit. It can take a little bit of practice, but it definitely takes a little maturity to, to practice that one well. Mm-hmm, definitely. Which kind of leads us to another tool that has button in the title, mm-hmm. Hot Buttons. Hot Buttons. Hot Buttons, sometimes known as the fear dance. Mm-hmm. Uh, first time we were made privy to this was uh, when Gary Smalley unpacked it, I think, at a conference we were at many years ago, mm-hmm. and then it was we found out it was inherent in his book, The DNA of Relationships, mm-hmm. and then Michael Smalley, who's here in town, we've heard him unpack it as well. You want to do sure. your version of unpacking it yeah, very briefly? And, and this is a tool, too, that I mean, you can go to an entire weekend seminar on this one tool and learn it on the all the ins and outs of it. But the basic gist of it is that all of us are have little, you know, emotional hot buttons in us that get triggered by certain, you know, uh, things that happen with our spouse. And, and the buttons are there probably from childhood, you know, growing up, mm-hmm. past experiences, trauma, right. you know, all kinds of the way we were raised. It's just all, we all, yeah, we're all uh, have these buttons. And so, um, you know, someone's button, uh, their fear button might be something like abandonment. You know, maybe they had experiences growing up where they were left, or maybe their parents divorced, or, you know, something kind of triggered that. So and that so, abandonment becomes a hair. That, yeah, trigger. that becomes a little hot button. And so what happens is they get married and their spouse does something maybe innocently that causes them to feel abandoned. And all of a sudden, boy, you're in World War Three, and you mm-hmm. have no idea how you got there. You right, know, right. Um, the, the story that I tell that I think illustrates hot buttons really well is I was at a workshop where I was kind of learning about this. And um, the workshop instructor invited a couple up to be kind of the guinea pig, kind of how we do sometimes in our communication work. Workshops. And um, the instructor said, you know, choose something that has been a, a source of irritation for you guys, you know, so they kind of thought for a second. And the wife or the husband said, um, well, there's this one thing that always seems to, you know, cause a huge volcano with us. And it's that she, my wife is really, really uber punctual. And I tend to run 10 or 15 minutes late everywhere I go. And mm-hmm. it's always a problem. And we always get into a huge fight about it. Right, right. So the instructor kind of looked at the guy and said, well, you know, let's 
drill down a little bit and see if there's a hot button that's kind of tied to that. And she thought for a minute and she said, well, you know, she's kind of thinking back and she goes, the only thing I can really think of is she said, when I was a kid, my parents were divorced. And she said, every Friday evening at six o'clock, you know, I lived with my mom, but every Friday evening at six o'clock, my dad would come pick me up Mm -hmm. to take me for the weekend. Mm -hmm. And she said, you know, I'd be sitting in the front room, looking out the window with my little suitcase packed, ready to go. And my dad would typically run a little bit late. Mm -hmm. She goes, that never really bothered me that much, but my mom would just get irate about him running late. And all this anxiety would just start pouring on me. She goes, so now, you know, to this day, when someone runs late on me, I hear my mom's voice Mm kind of, you know, that just all that anxiety pours in. Raises her stress. Yeah. The the wife starts crying as she's telling the Mm -hmm. story because, I mean, she's just a little kid as she's experiencing all this. The husband starts crying because he's never (laughs) even heard this story, never made this connection. Never even heard it. Yeah. Yeah. And so now all of a sudden he, he gets why this is such a huge hot button issue for her. And it's not that she's just trying to control him. It's that she genuinely has that kind of feeling of being that little kid again, you mm-hmm. know? And so once you could just see this play out with this couple, once he heard the story and figured this out, I mean, I I don't know that he was always punctual after that, but I bet their <laughs> conversations about punctuality were very different after he realized that that was a hot button. I'm sure he was a lot more sensitive to that issue, yeah. for sure. And so this is one of those things, like, again, I mean, you you would want to read the DNA of relationships or something and kind of it's figure this one out. But it's huge. Yeah. And you and I have used this again and again in our marriage. Yeah. The, the only other thing I'll add to it without continuing to go in detail to the hot button thing or the fear dance is that learning about it helps you both learn how to stop the flywheel of Mm -hmm. whatever your typical argument style is, Mm -hmm. which is very liberating for people that get get typically stuck, which is most of us. And it also makes you much more compassionate because when you know why people have their hot buttons, Mm -hmm. you know the stories behind it, it makes you more compassionate. We always say when there's compassion in a marriage, the sky's the limit as far as how great your relationship can be. So the DNA of relationships. By uh, Gary Smalley. Yeah, definitely unpacks that. Another tool is what's called the assumption of goodwill. And we learned this from uh, Kelly Simpson, as we were getting trained with her stuff years ago, mm-hmm. she runs the Active Relationship Center in Dallas. Basically, unpack that for us. So. Yeah, the way the assumption of goodwill uh, works is, uh, and Kelly Simpson did a lot of research around this, but the way she teaches it is basically she um, instructed people in her therapy uh, practice and in her office and in her workshops, she would have people. Uh, picture everyone they knew in their mm. whole life, you know, spouse, parents, children, coaches, everybody. Every, best friends, right. ex-boyfriends, whatever, and just kind of em- envision them all standing in front of you. you that's know, your, big, a, that's your big crowd of yeah, your exactly. life. Right. And, she, and then she would ask people to think about all of the things in their lives that these people did to them that were hurtful or mm-hmm. painful or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, kind of take a moment to do that. And then she would ask this important question she would say out of all those things you know the breakups the pain the lies you know whatever you've experienced with all these people she'd say you know how many what percentage would you say these people did this maliciously mm-hmm. on purpose to hurt you right and with that i mean across the board people would say maybe 1% of the time, mm-hmm. maybe 2 but it was mostly and so she came up with this 99% 
you know, assumption of goodwill rule, which mm. which basically said that most of the time when people are hurting us, they really either don't know they are hurting us or they're not doing it to be mean or malicious or, you know, that they just we just hurt each other sometimes it's and we don't realize we do. we do it or we don't mean to do it. And that's really helpful information. Oh my gosh, because in marriage what happens is you tend to start thinking he is doing this on purpose. <laughs> you know, she is just trying to Out hit to get all me. my buttons. She yeah. just doesn't want me to be happy, blah blah blah. And so when we've tried to help couples practice this assumption of goodwill and just and just to be able to try on this idea of he's not trying to hurt me. He just either doesn't realize it mm-hmm. or, you know, or he's just doing it and he doesn't know it's hurting me, you right. know. And so this has been really helpful because in our marriage what we've started even doing is um you know and for since i tend to be the more highly sensitive one between the two of us and it, meaning the one who gets their feelings hurt more easily because you can sensitive? just look at me funny and i'll go what do you mean by that you know um <laughs> where, stop looking at me that way yeah and so it's helped us to even start practicing the idea of going okay i know you didn't mean to hurt my feelings i know you did not mean to but let me just say that when you looked at me funny you know i kind of felt weird and blah blah, blah. and just that assumption of good real just passing on to you that I know you weren't out to get me mm-hmm. kind of gives us a little bit of a safety place. You know what I'm saying? Sure. And it's helpful. Um, and it helps your spouse to not feel like you're thinking they're always out to get you. That's right. Or that you're mean-spirited. So just to clarify, Kel, I'm never looking at you funny. I'm just funny. You are funny, but sometimes you look at me funny. But no. I don't have to interpret that That's as right. anything. All right. <laughs> And you're listening to Marriage to the Max. Welcome back to Marriage to the Max, and if you live in the greater Houston area, we want you to know that we host a monthly date night called Dinner and a Marriage. We'd love for you to come out and join us. Visit our website at homeencouragement.org, and you can find out more details of how to participate. Okay, Cal, well, we're continuing our conversation called Tried and True Tools, and we got a couple more that we want to unfold these are ones that we use all the time mm-hmm. first one is uh we'll call it emotional needs this is a hybrid of something that was developed by david ferguson intimate life ministries and then our very good friend dr carl elkins 
who is a counselor here in Houston at Christway Counseling. He has modified it slightly, but boy, I use this in counseling all the time. All with, the time. With, not just with couples, but even just people that are at impasses and so forth. But yeah. specifically, the, the idea is that there are 12 emotional needs, which we won't list all those right now, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, and that three but they of, tend to be things like acceptance, affection, respect, approval, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's right. And that there are three that particularly resonate with you. So somewhat similar to the five love languages principle, but mm-hmm. really gets to the heart of the things that people value personally mm-hmm. uh, in their emotional package. Yeah, and where we really and again, this is one of those tools that you know we've heard Carl give three-day workshops on this. So, I mean, it's there's a lot to it. But mm-hmm. even if people hear this podcast episode and go to the links and kind of dig a little bit and read and learn more about it and start having the conversation, that's what we're always hoping for. But um, where we really see this play out with couples when we do coaching with couples is we'll have them, you know, select their three or so emotional needs. Mm-hmm. And then we talk about, you know, what does it look like when your spouse meets those needs, you right. know, and, um, you know, help them to kind of get very specific about that. And then what it does is, and we all need help doing this, is it gets us out of ourself, you know? Because when I start thinking about your top three needs, Mm -hmm. Brett, and not worrying about whether you're meeting mine, I mean, it's a just a better place. And when you have a couple where both people are working at meeting those needs, oh my gosh. This is when marriage really s- starts it takes to happen. Off and you start really f- feeling the richness of what marriage can be. When we do our marriage tune-ups with couples, which are more concentrated conversations, and we use this tool, we see... Even the lights come on even instantly. Not that they get it all figured out or the they've connected all the dots, but you can already see the wheels turning. Oh wow, they have needs, mm-hmm. and, you know. And I've got a yeah, and this obligation is how I can meet try, those needs exactly. Yeah. So because we're usually wanting to meet the needs that we have, right? So if if my need is you know. Uh, approval, mm-hmm. then I'm generally wanting to meet a need of yours of approval, and you may not have that need. That's right. <laughs> you know, I have other needs. <laughs> I have m- many needs. <laughs> Needy. So, and I, I, I also like to talk about this too with couples because it just reinforces that we are. We're needy people. I mean, I I know we don't want to be needy There's and we don't want to be being emotionally draining. Right. But we're we're human beings and we do have, you know, relational needs and it's good to know what those are. Yeah, we've been in a couple of hundred years of very so-called rational thought that mm-hmm. has made us kind of sequester mm-hmm. uh the reality that we are people in need, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, yeah. we Anyway, another tool that's effective is just active listening. There's all kinds of ways of unpacking this. Certainly, uh, Kelly Simpson, as we mentioned before, I mean, she has a a pretty lengthy version of that. I think the simplest version of active listening goes back to, I think it's the Smalley Relation, Relationship Center that uh, came up with the McDonald's version of, you know. The drive through window. Yeah, you know, millions of dollars were spent for McDonald's employees to learn how for their customer to be heard mm-hmm. and fully understood and so that they can get their order right. And so. Okay, so I'm driving through. The drive-through at McDonald's, and you're working at McDonald's. And uh-huh. So, what do you say to me? And so I say, uh, I would like a, a diet coke and a large fry and a cheeseburger with no pickles. Okay, so what I hear you, what I heard you say is that you would like a 
See, I don't even know what <laughs> See, you we said because I'm not listening. good at it. <laughs> well, the idea is, you know, if you go to McDonald's and you hear the person repeat them, I think now they have display screens too. But in the day, right? Uh, they, they were heralded as getting most of their customers' orders correct because exactly. they would repeat back the order, and then they get, that gives the speaker the opportunity to go, "Oh no, I said no pickles," right. you know, and you're just constantly clarifying. Yeah. And my favorite uh, illustration of how this can this sounds like it can be really easy, but it takes a little practice. Mm-hmm. We were doing a that's why they have screens now. At- mm-hmm. We were doing a communication workshop once, and we uh, had a couple come up to practice active listening. <laughs> and so we said to them, you know, well, let, we started with the wife, and we said, okay, tell him something that's just a minor irritant, you know, nothing huge. And she said, okay. And so she looked at him, and she said, "I it really bothers me that you leave all of your work on the kitchen table. All right. And so then we turned <laughs> to the husband. We said, okay, what did you hear her say? And he goes, I heard you say I'm a huge slob, <laughs> and yeah, and and when gave us like two sentences, well, everyone in the workshop just died laughing because, of course, none of us heard her say that. Yeah, right. But because of history and all kinds of stuff, that's what he that's was what hearing. He heard. That was right. he was filtering, and right. so it sounds like a really easy thing, but it is. It requires a lot of focus to be able to go, okay, what I hear you saying is this. And then it's helpful for the other person to go, well, I don't know if I'm really saying that, but, you know, especially when you're dealing with feelings and emotions, you know, you can get a little murky. One tip on this is to keep those little bites short because I know speaking for myself, I have the memory of a goldfish. So, (laughs) hey, Colored rocks, rocks in a, a castle. castle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, and what's our last tool for today? <laughs> this one's from John Gottman. It's the whole uh, idea of identifying perpetual problems in your relationship versus mm-hmm. solvable problems. Yeah, and what he means by that in his research is that perpetual problems are generally based on like personality differences and how you were raised and how you process information and just, you know. This is the majority of the things that you're going to fight about and have disagreement about. It's stuff that's just irritants that aren't really going to go away. You're just going to have to learn how to manage them. You're not going to solve them. Yeah, and then there are solvable problems like who's going to take out the trash and, you know, this kind of stuff that are more – and you can find compromise is for and those kind of thing. The reason this was good for us to learn is because I, I think for a long time I was operating under the mindset that if we didn't solve all of our problems, there was something wrong with us. <laughs> like we had to figure out how to not keep having these things come up over and over and over again. Right. And so when we kind of read his research and went, you know, it kind of gives you the the, the ability to go, oh, we're not going to solve it all. That's right. You know, some of it we're just going to have to manage. Yeah, which was a relief to us because it would take a team of people working around Around the the clock clock. (laughs) to solve all of our problems. Definitely. So so anyway, we're big believers in relational tools. Like we said at the top, uh, they can get you unstuck and then allow you to live more harmoniously Mm -hmm. and then have conversations that really do matter about what really is the strength of your relationship. And as Mm -hmm. I said earlier, ultimately, God is the strength of your relationship, not your ability to make your spouse happy. Yeah, But that's a subject for a different podcast. (laughs) Well, if you'd like to contact us, you can find us at marriagetothemax.org. And we're also uh, available on homeencouragement.org. And if you'd like to email us, please contact us at thehurst.com 
Hursts, I can't even say. Maybe spell it. <laughs> T-H-E-H-U-R-S-T-S at homeencouragement.org. Also, please follow us on Facebook and lay Twitter. We would also love it if you would rate this podcast on iTunes. This always helps us get the word out to more people. So until next time, remember, healthy marriage, healthy world. God bless y'all. <laughs>